0: Welcome to the ADHD Don't Get Me Started podcast with me, your host, Laura Murphy Fuller. I was diagnosed with ADHD at the age of 29, and since I've been doing a lot of research and trying to understand exactly how that impacts me. This has involved conversations with a lot of different people, and sometimes I'm sure when they've asked me the question, I've gone on a bit of a ramble, which has left them thinking, I wish I hadn't got it started. So. The ADHD Don't Get Me Started podcast is going to unravel the layers of ADHD and focus on the experiences faced daily by those who have the condition. But fear not, because here in the welcoming space of this podcast, we will also celebrate the strength, resilience and uniqueness that ADHD brings. From moments that will make you go that is so me, to the triumphs that will hopefully inspire us all. ADHD Don't Get Me Started is more than just a podcast, it's a community. So grab your favorite cozy blanket, cup of tea, or whatever brings you comfort, and join in with conversations that will hopefully resonate, validate, and most importantly remind you that you are not alone. So whether you're someone with ADHD, a supportive friend or family member, or someone just curious to learn more, I invite you to take a seat, relax, and deep dive into the world of ADHD with us. Get ready to laugh, nod in agreement, and perhaps shed a tear or two adh don't get me started is here to connect empower and make you feel right at home hello and welcome back episode four hopefully there's more we'll see (laughs) there's definitely going to be a few more because i actually um have some guests lined up some further guests so that'll be really exciting But in advance of this uh, next week's guest, who is Jessica Lorimer, and I hope I'm saying that right because I have only seen her name written down um, and I am dyslexic. So Jessica, I really hope I've said that right. Um, Jessica is an entrepreneur and uh, a B2B uh, sales coach and mentor, and she's going to be coming on to talk about having ADHD while being self-employed because i recognize that that has its own pros and cons versus working for someone which is what i do Um, so in anticipation of jessica coming on next week i wanted to record an episode that discussed my journey my career path um, and how it may resonate with yours um so we shall see so when i started working i'm going to give you a really a really brief rundown on my career. So I started working when I was 16. I worked at Jessup's camera shop. It was great. Um, I was doing a photography course at college, so it was brilliant. I was learning things on the job that I could then take back into my um, education and vice versa. So it was really great for me and I really loved it. Um, I then went off to university, so I left Jessup, so bye-bye retail. And I took a little bit of a break at university which i was lucky enough to be able to do i should say but i think my parents could kind of sense that i wasn't going to be able to manage myself manage a degree and manage a job um, at that time especially undiagnosed i think they didn't know it was adhd but i think they could sense there was something so they were very supportive although i did also take out student loans to help me with that Uh, after university oh sorry I should say during university I did have some internships and they were required as part of my course and my longest one was as a PR intern for a fashion um, clothing indie clothing brand uh, in London so that was really fun so then I left uni and like most people that leave uni I don't know what I want to do, kind of want to use my degree because I did photography. So I wanted people to be like, yeah, it wasn't a waste of three years. Um, So I ended up working on a cruise ship. Now, the motivation for this was, touching on last week's episode, incredibly impulsive of me. I had not really looked into working on cruise ships. I hadn't really thought about whether I wanted to be a cruise ship photographer. I didn't really research what the job entailed. I just kind of went, I wanna travel. That sounds cool. Um so I had actually previously applied to work in a call center in Greece. They wanted English speaking people, you didn't need to speak Greek, um, and they would um put you up and you work in this call center. Um I just wanted to kind of do something spontaneous and to me moving to another country or, or eventually cruise ships was that so cruise ships worked out core center did not i should say probably for the best and i ended up working on board a cruise ship and it's long hours it's incredibly incredibly exhausting it's fast paced it's an emotional roller coaster I think anyone that's worked on a cruise ship It's kind of like Big Brother, everything, well, what I imagine Big Brother's like, I've never been on, but everything is so much more heightened, um, so much more uh, emotional. And I guess for someone with undiagnosed, well, no, I know for someone with undiagnosed ADHD, this put me in a really, really difficult place because I had a nine month contract working every single day. I couldn't regulate sleep. I couldn't regulate um, anything. And I couldn't even get my own space because it's a cruise ship. I shared a cabin with someone and and no matter where you go, there is someone else there. Now at the time, I didn't ADHD hadn't even crossed my mind. I didn't I didn't even think that I was struggling with these things because I had got so used to masking on land and I had got to a point where I thought, "Oh, no, I'm just I'm just like this because I'm tired, and anyone would be like this because they're tired," she says, having her sixth emotional breakdown of the day. Um, I started drinking multiple Red Bulls until I was getting heart palpitations, coffee like you would not believe, and just generally struggling. Eventually, um, I went home and I thought, right, I can't do that again, Um, met some great people, lucky enough to travel the world, I'm not doing that again. Well, four weeks later (laughs) i was going back i hadn't found a job um on land and it was it was an easy job to go back to because they needed photographers so i knew i could go back um but my only request was that i went onto a different ship so a bit of context for the previous one is i was only really at the start of my contract for maybe about four months going back and forth between southampton and new york um If you work in the cruise line or cruising industry, you probably know what ship I was on, but um, just going back and forth. And so I think that as well really tired me out, but you almost get that cabin fever and that I need to get off this ship. Um, So went on to my second ship. Amazing. It was a Mediterranean um, itinerary. And because of the way the itinerary was working and because of the way that different managers you know manage I found that ship to be a lot easier to cope with um for most of it I had a cabin to myself so I had space to myself um which was great I had that time to move away and it wasn't as as non-stop as the previous ship had been um for an example in my previous ship if I had started dinner service I would have not been able to get myself dinner because there wouldn't be enough time between finishing in the restaurant and getting back to my portrait on this other ship i would have like 45 minutes between the two so it was a completely different experience however i'm still in a place where i can't control everything i can't control you know make sure i get eight hours every night i wasn't because to try and regulate i was you know i thought maybe i need to be more sociable i need to go out i was pretty much go it was like university extended if you think of the first year of freshers you're out you're drinking every night that was cruise ships for me it's no shock i don't drink anymore because i think i just got it all out of my system when i was much younger so that ship was great went back to that ship after that contract for another short contract ended up having to leave early due to family issues which then led me to my next job So just to take stock here, we've had camera sales, we've had PR intern, we've had cruise ship photographer. My next job was a total loss handler at an insurance company. So if you wrote your car off, I'd give you a call I'd tell you what it was worth. We'd go back and forth as to whether we agreed. um, And that was my job. And I liked the routine that that job gave me um, in terms of I had that that eight hours sleep, go to work and all of that. The problem is, is it became incredibly, incredibly monotonous. The reality was I was doing the same thing. I was having the same argument 20 times a day. I was, you know, managing the same situation. I was sat in my little cubicle. Um, and I just, I just was like, I can't do this for my entire life. I can't, I can't do this, get up, go to work, you know, this, this, Calling people and this particular job, so I'm going to have to 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 find another job. But I was good at that job. Um, I, you know, I I I got on with it. I got on with my job on cruise ships. I got I get on with every job. And I, I when I start, I'm like, this is exciting. This is great. And then I just, you know, the novelty fades, and we'll get into that in in a little bit once I finish this. Apparently was supposed to be short, but quite clearly long winded career history. Then I decided that I needed a change. So I ended up going and working for a travel company. It wasn't like a travel agent, it was the travel operators. So we would come up with packages that travel agents could sell and then we would organize it all on the ground um for you. So that was really fun. And again, two years I did it. I really liked it. I was really, you know, good at what I did. And, you know, but then I just started to get burnt out and everything's just getting a bit too much and I'm stressing out and I'm starting to frustrate people because their energy and dopamine that I had at the start of the jobs wearing off so I can't motivate myself as much Um, and so I was like oh gosh this is a problem well COVID hits Um, travel is not picking up as it as it you know was before so I made the decision to move job again because i wanted to be in a stable career i had bills to pay um and i didn't like the uncertainty that that made me feel so i randomly ended up applying for a job as a complaints coordinator at the time um at the company that my husband well my now husband ben boyfriend was working for he told me about it and he thought that my time and insurance and cruise ships as well would give me a good ability to manage complaints so I thought you know what sounds good (laughs) and that was for a dental corporate so I worked for there for about a year I got promoted to complaints manager um, and then about another year later again I start burning out I at this point started to think maybe I have ADHD as I said before I started looking at, at, at symptoms of it and seeing similarities about 2020 mid late 2020 so I was then like mm, I feel like I do have ADHD I'm really burnt out I had just got married I had just gone through a whole lot of family stuff my job was there was a lot of pressure in my job and in dental complaints in general um, and so again I felt burnt out and I think also I felt like none of these jobs had connected with me in a way that purposefully felt like I was really driven as well but what I will say about complaints is I didn't burn out in complaints because of the job I'd burn out in that job because of external factors like I'm saying I had a lot of stress in my personal life and I didn't know I had ADHD I love working in complaints and you can all call me crazy and you can all call me insane. I love it. Every single day is different. I don't know what's coming in. The novelty doesn't stop. I get to, you know, um, use all of the assets that come with my ADHD. So, you know, keeping on top of all these regulation changes and and root cause analysis and working with different teams and and it was just amazing. You know, I was able to hyper focus on complex cases. Um, I was able to you know give a lateral thinking approach, which proved really helpful in finding in in innovative innovative <laughs> solutions to to complaints. So it really was a job where my neurodivergence was kind of encouraged subconsciously i mean they didn't no one knew i had adhd but these things about it being able to work under pressure being good in a crisis these things all worked well so looking for a new job because I'm stressed and I just, I I needed a change. I needed a fresh start somewhere. And I found a job as a complaints manager for a charity. And so this was great because uh, around the time I started this job was around the time I got my diagnosis and started medication. I'm managing my external stresses better. All of this is going well. And I'm faced with the first manager who... I know I have ADHD so like while they're managing me so I know why now I I am the way I am as it were so when I joined the charity I got a huge sense of personal um pride in the work that I was doing I felt it, it was connected to something bigger and that really really helped me and that really helps motivate me as well I wasn't I wasn't driven on a on a values level when I worked in previous roles but now I had that motivation that what I'm doing even in complaints contributes to the overall mission of what we're trying to achieve and that made me feel really proud so that boosts my dopamine that makes me feel good about things so going to work is not difficult for me in fact I love it I love my job as I said I love being a complaints manager so There are some other things that come with having ADHD and working for someone else, and that is whether or not you want to tell them that you have ADHD. Now, from my perspective, I did. I disclosed very early on to my manager that I had ADHD, that I was starting medication, I didn't know how that was gonna make me feel, um, and just to kind of lay it all on the table, because in my head I thought, well, I'd rather if I do struggle with you know titration and all of these different things that my manager knows why because I was still new in the role so I didn't want my manager to think that I was just not good at my job or you know whatever it may be and I have been very lucky and very blessed that I have one of the most supportive managers frankly in the world let alone that I've ever had and Every time I discuss my ADHD with her or I talk about how I've learnt that a new symptom might present um, or struggles that I have because of my ADHD in work, she's always approached it with a really supportive learning and, and kind of how can I help mentality. And I have to thank my manager for creating an environment that I can feel confident and safe enough to say these things. I recognise so wholeheartedly that not everyone has that. Um, But she has really encouraged me to explore that within myself. How does it impact me? And how, when I look at working, can I be supported? What does that support look like? So, for me, I could not self-employed and we'll talk to Jessica about this next week. I could not manage myself if I was self-employed. I need the pressure that comes with knowing that I have a boss and knowing that I have deadlines and knowing that I have people that I'm accountable to and people that are paying my salary. That helps me get up and get to work and, and do what I have to do. However, there are challenges that come with working with ADHD. Um, If you work in an office you have very little to no control over your environment and therefore any way to control your your sensory um, overload. It may be that you're struggling with the fact that deadlines seem to appear out of nowhere and you don't know how to get on top of everything or that you struggle with trying to go to back to back to back to back meetings because everyone else that's fine but for you you're getting overwhelmed or you're getting overstimulated or you're just not able to focus because these meetings aren't always interesting to you and as much as i'm sure employers are going to hear this um, and and probably be shocked you know not everything in every meeting is the most riveting piece of information and unfortunately our brains even in cases where sometimes it is the most riveting piece of information will shut off and so how do we manage that in a when someone else is paying us when we have a boss when we have deadlines when we have all of those things i just said help me in my job but have equally can cause problems well there are a few things that i have tried that i do that i think help me and so i'm going to share them with you but by no means is this a one-size-fits-all like i've said in i think every episode if there is anything that you do Um, That you know works really well then please let me know so some of the things I do in this job I've spoken to our EDI team if you have one that's amazing if you don't maybe speak to your learning and development team or just your manager um, maybe any uh, social societies or I know some companies have them and look at setting up some either virtual or in-person body doubling sessions now i work remote which is amazing for me with adhd and for anyone neurotypical that works from home you'll you'll agree um we get to control our environment we get to control the noise we get to control the light we get to control all of these things um but it means that we are working alone and while that can have its pros it can also have its cons in my organization we've recently started some virtual body doubling sessions and we've had a quite a good attendance and turnout to them and everyone on these sessions always goes i don't understand how this works i don't understand how just being on a teams call with some other people can make me so productive but it it really does i mean i had a list the other day of about 15 things and i thought i'm never getting these done and body doubling just i got through got through all of them and i felt a real sense of accomplishment but also that then meant okay I've got through a lot of work really quickly maybe I'm going to go take a 10 minute break maybe I'm going to step away for 10 minutes I'm going to scroll on my phone I'm going to do what I need to do to re-regulate myself so another thing about um, you can do this in person is you could maybe have an an office space that you book out for a couple hours uh, a week and it's agreed that there isn't any talking in this room you're just going to get on with work and that's what we're doing. And having that person with you, next to you working, virtually working, it's it's the only way I can ex- explain it. And I'm not trying to tell everyone about body doubling because everyone I'm sure listening to this podcast has probably heard about it. But it's like when someone else yawns, you yawn. It's like if you see someone else being productive, your brain goes, oh, I should be productive. Or if I think someone's coming to my house. I'm like, okay, I need to get the Hoover, the mop, the duster, everything out. This house needs clean top to bottom. Whereas if that person wasn't coming to my house, there would be no ounce of productivity in my body to get me to do those things that I needed to do. So, body doubling is my number one. I'm going to refer back to loop earbuds or any earbuds if you're in an office. Um, noise cancelling headphones if you can get them I know that noise cancelling headphones have been some things that have been approved through access to work so if you um, want to explore that ADHD UK has a great um, section on their website that explains how to apply for access to work essentially if you're in the UK access to work is a grant um, up to £60,000 a year that you can apply for if you have a disability Um, and the premise is that you use that money to buy equipment or um coaching or whatever it might be that helps you stay in work um so you do have to be employed part-time or full-time to apply for that so noise canceling headphones amazing um and i know some offices are a bit funny with headphones i think that's where you might need to have that conversation and say look i have adhd i have neurodivergency i need this as a reasonable accommodation because otherwise I'm really going to struggle to work um the other thing I have is a visual timer now I had this in school and I remembered it when I bought, bought it the other day and I remember the teacher putting a visual timer in front of me and being like right Laura when and she did this just to me and this is why I had to laugh at it because I'm like how did no one see it? Um, she put the timer in front of me. She said, right, Laura, this timer, you can see how much time you have left. So you'll can, it was, you'll see the, the colour going down. She goes, see, that's what I need you to pay attention to. Um, because we just can't conceptualise time. We struggle with things. Uh, we think that we have a lot more time than maybe we do. And a visual timer can be really helpful because if I don't, check when I've started something and I feel like it's taking me ages and ages and ages to finish it it may actually really take me 10 minutes and if I can start to build that log of actually this is not a super long-winded job it's it's going to be really helpful so I would really recommend getting a, a visual timer another thing I have that is invaluable for me at work is a little shopping pad like shopping list pad But I keep it right in front of me, it sits right in front of me on my desk and every time a task pops into my head, I write it down on the list, that list stays in front of me. Each day I take the list off, anything that didn't get completed goes onto that day's list. I did not think I'd keep this up, but I think the fact that it's it's right in front of me, I can my pen is always in my hand, I literally just write it down. This stops me from jumping from task to task, because sometimes I jump from task to task so I don't forget to do something. But if I write it down, I can stay in the task that I'm doing, knowing that I will be prompted back to it through my list. But the reason I do it on a shopping list pad is because it's small enough to keep on the stand bit of my desktop screen so i always see it it's never out of sight and i think that's really important as well is that mindfulness of out of sight out of mind for people with adhd so even use your diary or work diary for anything and everything deadlines that you've got for work when you need to send things put it all in your work diary because most of them will send you prompts 15 minutes 10 minutes five minutes before again invaluable for me it's um, it's great and another thing i do for adhd and i also do this for my dyslexia is i read aloud so anything on microsoft um, office 365 i believe you can also do it on um, mac equivalents is I will use the read aloud function and I will put the speed on two times speed so that it reads it to me really quickly. This way, if I have a really long email and I'm, I, I don't get sidetracked from reading it or have to go back to it four times or put it off because it's such a long email and I don't want to read it, I just have it read it to me. And if I'm having to do something in the background, then that's absolutely fine. So it's amazing having that read aloud function, controlling that speed, it's the best. I love it and I just want to say as well talk talk to your managers if you feel safe to do so try and find someone you feel safe to talk to in your organization remember that our our disabilities our struggles they are not good nor bad and what I mean by that is I don't want you to feel that you have to be toxically positive about way that you are because frankly if I had the choice to not have ADHD I would not have it tomorrow this is not something that I want this is not something that's cute and fashionable that I'd love to you know oh I have ADHD I would give anything not to have it but I do have it so while I'm not going to sit here and try and paint this overly positive picture of of my struggle I'm also going to recognize that the things I don't have control over are not bad. They don't make me a bad person. If I forget something, I'm not a bad person. If I zone out in a meeting, I'm not a bad person. If I doom scroll on social media for 10 minutes when I should be working, I'm not a bad person. As long as I'm having conversations with my manager and and keeping on top of my work and understanding and saying to my manager, I might need a few more breaks throughout the day. Is that a reasonable accommodation? Or, I might need some extra support with this, is that okay? Or just saying, I'm really sorry, my working memory has just dumped about the last five minutes of this conversation which happens to the best of us, would you mind repeating yourself? We should not have to feel bad for the fact that we deal with these struggles. I always say it's an explanation, not an excuse but it is morally neutral in, the ter- in terms of our impact to the wider world. You know, we are just being ourselves as everyone else is being. Um, and that just presents differently. One last thing that I just want to say to you guys, and I want to sal- salute this back to the start of the conversation, and that is about my CV. My CV to an employer must look like a walking red flag. I've never stayed in a job more than two years. I've been in the most random selection of roles that you could ever imagine and I don't didn't seem to have a pathway a career pathway for me finding that pathway in complaints was about was an accident it was a complete accident but I can look back now and go actually jobs for me where I can control my environment where I have a diverse workload, where I have novelty in what I do, where I get to use my lateral thinking and I'm you know, able to help in a crisis and I'm able to think in a certain way and get to the answers before people. What what I would say is, if you list how your ADHD presents to you the most, you can either find ways to help in your current job and have those conversations with your manager if, if you feel comfortable or someone else if you don't. Or you can find a job that complements those characteristics of yourself. So they are out there. I know that's not, you know, it's not an easy fix for everyone. It's not a simple fix for everyone. I'm very, very lucky to have ended up where i am in a job with a manager where i can do that but i will say there are things you can do without disclosing anything to anyone like a visual timer like noise cancelling headphones and and if if you work from home or if your office allows them without disclosing you can use leap earphones they're very discreet there are things you know lists things like that there are things that you can do to support you and If you would like some extra support with resources um, then you can go to ADHD UK's website again and also if you google neurodivergent reasonable accommodations there's a document it's from a university I cannot remember I'll try and link it in the show notes Um, and it gives accommodations for symptoms rather than um, different neurodivergencies say autism adhd uh, dyspraxia because it just goes through the different things that that might present as so time blindness social interaction um, communication all these types of things so to, 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 to finish up i just want to say if your cb looks like mine and it looks like you have no idea what you want to do do not beat yourself up that's that's not fine it's part of who you are but also if you're an employer and you're hiring someone don't let job hopping be a red flag to you you know because that job hopping might just signal that they are absolutely the right person for that role so have a great week everyone jessica will be joining us next week and i will speak to you soon